Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jumbo, everyone, and thank you as always for tuning in to Radio Harambe. I am Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios and from somewhere in the world. Once again, out in the wild uh, is Safari Mike. Mike, where are you and how is your Montezuma's Revenge? Uh, my Montezuma's Revenge is coming along nicely. Uh, oh, that's I good. In, I am in Karindi. Karindi. How do you spell it? <laughs> K-I-R-N-D-Y. Oh, God. Um, Karindi is the name of a town? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like... uh, It's the name of a forest. Malaysia. Not too bad. Not far off. Madagascar. Well, it's not really very good, but okay. I'll accept well, it. Madagascar is in the Indian Ocean, as is Malaysia. This is true. <laughs> We're here studying the Fasa, which is, I don't know, if do you know what a Fasa is? It's not Simba's father? It is not. That's oh. Mufasa. Oh, I see. Fasa is a, uh, a predator here in Madagascar. It is looks like a cat, but it is not a cat. And it uh, it is the main predator of lemurs throughout the island. They're located mostly on the western side of the island, but still, they have very low populations. They are endangered, um, mostly because of forest destruction here in Madagascar, as you can um, well imagine. It's a very poor nation, so they do what they can to farm and log and mm. you know whatever uh, uninhibited. So we are here studying the population of the fossil. You said it looks like a cat, but it's not a cat? It's not a cat. It's not related to cats. Then what is it? Just its own more, thing? More related to weasels. Uh, well, and, and, and you know, Madagascar is one of those places that is its unique... Uh, sist- a lot of indigenous species. A lot of indigenous species. That, that's the word I'm right, looking for, meaning, yeah. Yeah, meaning that uh, the animals are located only there and there only. Well, folks... Before I get into today's show, let me just tell you, we're selling t-shirts. The link is in the show notes. All the money from the t-shirts goes towards um, conservation, various conservation funds. We've already made a donation. I'm looking to make another one. Uh, we got some great stuff in there. Uh, Dr. Seeker's Travel Company, Warden Wilson, Matua's Air Rangers, uh, you know, Pass them along. You know any Animal Kingdom fans that might like something like that? Pass it along. All the profits. We keep nothing. All of it goes to... Um, conservation organizations various ones i'll be posting and you know and saying on here uh who we've donated to i think we've already donated to the grevy zebra trust i'm looking to gain some money for uh one more organization we'll get to that when we get there um and for today it's time for one of safari mike's lists another (laughs) another of safari mike's lists and this 
goes back really to a um, listener who suggested that maybe we weren't covering enough Avatar, right? Yeah, somebody complained that we haven't really talked about Avatar since it opened or shortly thereafter. Right, and it's... Although that is not true because we did a very, very popular episode, one of our most popular episodes, and that's like the real-life background Avatar. Oh, right, which was a great episode, yeah, with some really incredible uh, information about where they got their inspirations from for various parts of things on the... Uh, right. You know that that you see there Landscape, in the in, right, right. weavings exactly, um, and and you could give us a little bit of a pass. I mean, we are animal kingdom people. Michael is an Mike is an animal expert, um, and so we're not really experts on whatever they call those Pandora things. Um, but well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that now. So, what is our list for today, Mike? Top seven things. You did not know about the Navi River journey. Now, Top seven? You mean there's more than seven? Uh, Actually, uh, it literally. I find more than seven. <laughs> with the exception of it's a boat and there's a big singing blue lady at the end, everything else would be something I don't know about the Navi River journey. Well, we're going to de- delve a little bit deeper than that. Okay, good. Maybe I'll learn something. Hopefully, everybody. We've done a few of these. We've done uh, Gorilla Falls. We've done, I think, the Everest Q. Yes. Yes, that's um, correct. Tree of Life, I think. No, maybe not. Um, there was another one. I no. forget what it was, but we did another one. Okay. Um, so this time, we're heading towards the Navi River Journey, which I think might be my favorite of the two Avatar rides. Okay. I I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know. I like the other one better. You like the flight of passage more. Even though I'll never go on it again, I like it better. It was good. I mean, it was good. But I just, I, you know, I've said this many times before, and I got this from Christina, who was, you know, it's like Navi River Journey is a a watercolor painting come to life, and I just love that. I, I guess to some degree it is. It's a watercolor painting of something you have no frame of reference on. Well, that's fair. But uh, it is a watercolor painting, I guess. It's very pretty. I mean. I have my um, issues with it, with have, which have been talked about many, many times, and we're not going to do that here today. So, <laughs> you have issues with it? Yeah, I have problems with the with the ride. Things I don't like. I, 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 and we've mentioned it before. I generally don't like reliance on video screens um, right. in these kind of things, and I think there is a bit of a reliance on that, and it kind of pulls me out of the whole idea of being immersed into a, you know, because there's not video screens in the woods um so i think it my only real complaint with the ride and i don't want to start off with the complaining about the ride it's, it's a little too short it could have been a little bit longer well that was my second one is that it's uh, incredibly small um and much much smaller than other boat rides uh yeah. in disney's pantheon of of attractions so right, right. But let's not be the debbie downers i'm sure we have some avatar fans out there that want to know Things they didn't know about the Navi River journey. So let's have at it with number seven. Is there such a thing as an Avatar fan? I mean, Avatar Land fan, maybe. But Avatar fan? Uh, I stand corrected. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I know that there are Avatar Land fans for sure. But I don't... I, 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna default to you on that. I don't know for sure. <laughs> so, what are the set? What's number seven? Let's have at it. All right. So number one. These are. They're not in any particular order. Oh, okay. So we don't have to count down. I see. No, we don't have to count. Down. All right. Number one. As we all know, the it is a boat ride, and you are drifting along on a river. Dave, did you know the name of the river is the Caspavan River? No. So you're 0 for 1. Is that a river that's in the movie, or is it just made up? Made up. Okay. Well, there you go. A creative, creative license. I enjoy that. I don't, I don't know the movie well enough to, to be an authoritative, uh, authoritative uh, uh, knowledge of it, but no? as far as I know, now I, I've, you've seen it. I've probably seen the whole thing at one point. But in bits and pieces. Yeah. No, I, I I sat and watched it from start to finish. You but did? I, I, yeah, I did. Yes. Yes, I did. I did. Um, not long after it was announced that this was this movie was going to be part of the Animal Kingdom. Oh, all right. Um, and I had no because I had not seen it. I did not go see it in the movies, which I see, which I hear is a big difference in your experience with the film. Uh, because it was all in 3D, right, or something like that, or it, yeah, it, yeah. So I, I, I don't have, I didn't have that, but I, I um, did sit down with a DVD of it once and watch it from start to finish. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, I it was only once. It was only that once, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Ready for number two? Yes. Did you know, Dave? Well, actually, let me say this first. In the queue. You look up at the ceiling. There is a map of the river that you're about to ride on. At night, did you know that there are representations of the wildlife that you can follow along on the map? Uh, no. Where is the map? It's above. It's uh, on the ceiling as you're walking in the queue. So if you do a fast pass, do you see you're this map? You probably missed it. I've only ever fast passed it, so I haven't seen this this map. Okay. Okay. I, I, I do wish that they would do some sort, and maybe they do, because again, I haven't been in the queue. Um, I wish they would do some sort of explanation on what these animals are. You know, I, I think, Mike, I think about um, people's incredible knowledge of the different uh, creatures and animals that you find in Star Wars, right? Right. We all know uh, what a Wookiee is, or uh, you know, even Ewok. what a, even what a you're right, an Ewok or a Bantha, even even the even some of the ones that are that are uh, less um, popular in the first couple of you know in the in the original trilogy. People people know all this, uh, and that really helps. So if they did this kind of ride for Star Wars, where you were going through um, you know different Star Wars river ride you people would know all those right we don't know this so it kind of makes me feel sometimes a little bit like it's just sort of being lost on us that's one of my other sort of criticisms of it so if we were introduced in some way to these different species what they are and gave them a little backstory that might be helpful i don't know how they would do that i guess it would have to be incorporated in the queue somehow but it's uh, Mm -hmm. something they might want to consider So you, what could put, you know what you know what you could do. What? As they do in Kilimanjaro Safaris, you and the in the in the like the panel yeah. in front of you as you're riding the boat. Uh huh. Do like a little uh, identification thing, identification guide. I agree wholeheartedly. 
I think that would be a, a, a great little addition um, and, and allow people some some frame of reference of what they see, for sure. Right. Uh, I mean, again, I can't, we're going to spend this whole time criticizing Avatar, and I, I, I did not want to do this. Um, but, you know, one of the great problems with Avatar in the Animal Kingdom is its sort of disconnect between that film and that film franchise and the rest of the park and you know the type of person who comes to the animal kingdom i guess to some degree but more so the um you know what you're expecting to find so if you're coming expecting to find elephants and tigers and lions and instead find these things and you don't know what they are um you know i i guess i assume it would be helpful if we can somehow maybe introduce them in some sort of stage show or some I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but give you some sort of frame of reference as to what these creatures are and why we need to see them on a ride. You know, what are we what are we here to experience? It's it's hard. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm just complaining, but that's my big it's another one of my complaints about the ride is that I don't know what I'm looking at. You know, I don't well, I don't know what I'm there for. I don't know what I'm seeing. And it's 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 the general issue, Mike, with the Bob Iger view of creating parks. And the reason why 20 years from now we're going to have to go back and change all this is because it's this is a great example of sort of the extreme of what's wrong with making everything into a movie. If you don't know the movie, then you don't know what you're looking at. And if you don't know what you're looking at, why is it exciting? Unless it's a thrill ride, right? Unless it's some sort of great... I mean, if you build a great coaster, it doesn't matter if it's painted green and called the Hulk or if it's painted red and called Spider-Man. It makes no difference. It's a great coaster. But if you're in a ride like this where you're trying to immerse somebody into a, uh, an ecosystem or a world, an imaginary world, if you don't have a frame of reference on what that imaginary world is, it's kind of pointless, don't you think? Uh, no, I, I'm going to quote the great comedic film, Arthur, <laughs> and say, sometimes you just have to let art flow over you. <laughs> I guess that's, that's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> <laughs> and not the remake of Arthur, the original Dudley Moore. <laughs> I never saw the remake of Arthur. I didn't either. I just know there is one. <laughs> I know there is too. Okay, so what else do we have here? Number three, David. I'm not going to criticize anymore. I'm done. I promise. Okay. Number three, Dave, as you enter the, the queue, there is a massive totem right before you enter the queue. Did you know that this is actually a totem of the Shaman of Song? Oh, no. But I, but it, you could definitely tell that it is a um, inspired by Native American culture for sure. I mean, you could you could see that, you know, right? <laughs> That's very prevalent in 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 Avatar. We talked about that in the one the show Mike was mentioned before, where we talked about real life sort of inspirations. You know, there's there's a lot of that in in here. Um, so the shaman. So so the, the the phrase shaman is actually a movie canon um, accepted phrase, huh? Well, I know for well, I mean the big the big audio animatronic at the end of the at the end of the um, uh, ride is the Shaman of Song. That's her name. Oh, so that's her Shaman. There you go. So she's, yeah. Mike, my son loves that thing. 
At first, he was a little creeped out by it, but now he thinks she's kind of cool. Oh, the animatronic itself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he kind of... The rest of it's lost on him, though he finds the the dogs walking overhead to be cute, but, you know, and he laughs about that. But the, but uh, he likes her singing. <laughs> Shamanist. Okay. So what's next? All right, Dave. There is, as you we've talked about, there's a lot of weaving found in the queue. Weave. Uh, what? Weaving with a V? Yes. Okay. Like baskets and that kind of stuff. Right. Did you know that these are based yeah. on the Sepak River yam masks from Papua New Guinea? Really? That is a little callback to our previous episode about the, uh, I yeah. mentioned those briefly in the uh, that previous episode that we talked about earlier. But yes, they're based upon Papua New Guinea, not Native American. Well, then there was definitely some point where I did know that. Well, I mean, that episode was a while ago. I'm right. You're going to give you a pass on not remembering? I'm going to give you a pass. But Thank so you far, very you're much. Four. Well, I'm going to be 0 for 7, Mike. <laughs> this is not going to be a good day for me in this game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that highlights really the, the um, you know. Oh, you're not going to start criticizing me. You know? No, no. That that highlights real the really the great way in which... Um, you know, Rhodey kind of, for, for lack of a better term, sort of, you know, helped um, allay the fears of those of us who were afraid that it really would stand out like a sore thumb, this right. whole idea of Avatar. He did an incredible job of incorporating, um, you know, real life things into the whole experience and made it, uh, you know, made it quite beautiful. And, and that's... That's uh, to his credit that he would find something right. like that. No, you know. Not really the... And not just him, the film as well, you know, that did those right. things. Right. But he also did a very good job of weaving in some of the big themes of the animal kingdom, i.e. conservation, which is prevalent in the Flight of Passage ride. Yeah. Um, and also this sort of native, you know, early man's um, connection to nature, which is prevalent in this ride. Right. I mean, in this case, we're substituting Navi for humans, but still. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, and and I think to his, like I said, to that is definitely to the credit of the designers and the Imagineers for this, for sure. Yeah, I I agree. They did a very good job of, uh, of, as you said, making it work. Yeah, making it work. And even from a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Even from a uh, visual point of view, the um, aesthetic of the land is very. Animal Kingdom-ish. Right. No, no. He did a remarkable job with that, of making it aesthetically blend to some right. degree. Um, you know, and, and you could tell that, uh, you know, because the stories don't blend well, they did everything they could to make the aesthetics blend. And they did it. They went. They did an incredible job with that. There's no there's no. Uh, that I was pleasantly surprised by when we yes, walked through it is how well that was done. As we know, I was a very big critic of Avatar. Land oh, my Lord. God. Yeah. And, and I do like it. I and it's like it. you're right. It's funny because I was much more the apologist of Avatar sure. than Mike was. And then once it opened, <laughs> Mike That's became much. We kind of switched because Mike became much bigger of a fan. And I was much more disappointed by it yeah, than, yeah. than Mike was. But um, I don't know no, why no, that would be. Great. But yeah. OK. So what's next? So, Dave, now we're going to get to the animals. Here are the animals that appear in the ride. 
and I'll give you their names from the our canon. Okay. Okay. Viper wolves, and that's obviously the the more predatory beast that you see in the in the uh, ride. Okay. Wood sprites, which are those floating little almost jellyfish-like creatures. Right. Fan lizards, which are the ones that are um, above you. You see them walking in those cups. Yeah, they really look like the Jurassic Park uh, dinosaurs. Yeah. Right. Prolamorus, which is a night squirrel. Sturm beast, which is a bison-like animal that you see during the ride. Uh Uh-huh. Hexaped, which is a six, sorry, not four, six-legged deer that you see in the ride. And finally, the Penapyra, which is a sky cup. Did you know, Dave, that all those animals, the ones that are, you know, going in a direction, are moving in the same direction towards the Shaman of Songs? Uh, yeah, I think I did notice that. I'm gonna okay. give my I'm gonna give myself a a, a win on this one because I, I I do remember saying to Corinne they're all going the same way this must be leading to an end Corinne being my wife uh, this must be leading to like some and I thought we we're gonna have a big gathering of animals at the end you know a big um, mm-hmm. big video screen of all these animals or something like that but uh, yeah I did I did notice that I like that that gives you sort of a sense of direction you're going in with it sure you know again another one of those little details that Rody's very good at. Number six, Dave, we're almost done. Okay. Did you know that each set piece of the ride, and there are four, is designed to evoke a different emotion? No. So, for example, the first part is like the cave, the beginning cave. That's mystery. Okay. The next one is where the viper wolves are. That's danger. Okay. Then you get to the part where the fan lizards above you and kind of the wood sprites all around. That's whimsical. And finally, the Shaman of Songs scene is supposed to evoke grandeur. Hmm. Hmm. And they use screens uh, differently than they did in some other rides. They're transparent. So behind each set piece or others, there are other screens that create sort of a, uh, a depth to the ride. Gotcha. No, never noticed that. But I've only been on it a couple of times. So maybe that's something you catch after uh, a few more rides. Probably not, but okay. <laughs> I, I've been on it more than a couple of times, probably like five or six. Really? And I, didn't, I didn't notice that. You've been on it five or six times? I've been there a few times since it's been open, so yeah, I think so. And when you go there, you always make a fast pass for that ride? Uh, Not always. I'll make a fast pass for Flight of Passage and then jump on that ride first thing in the morning. Huh. Okay. I, I still go to the safaris first thing in the morning, but okay. Uh, so we have one more. Well, I always have a fast pass for safaris too. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But I like to do that first thing in the morning when there's. Well, but I understand that. Sometimes that bites you though because the, all the animals aren't out yet, so you gotta you have to uh, you have to time that a little bit better. <laughs> so we have one more. One more, Dave. We're getting to the end here. The shaman of song. He sings in native Navi. I, I'm not sure if you know the Navi language or not. It's a Beatles song, isn't it? Did you know that this is an actual language created by Dr. Paul Frommer for the movie? And he actually wrote the lyrics to the song, and I can give you the uh, lyrics if you'd like. If you feel it necessary? Well, it's, it's not it's not much. <laughs> yeah. there's, okay. three, there's three stanzas, essentially. The first one is, Oh, Beautiful Forest. There are tears in the forest. Wood sprites were calling out. 
we cry calling out, oh, you are. Remember the, you know how they do the, oh, yeah, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. The second one is connected as one, oh, great mother, wood sprites, we cry out calling, oh, you are. And then the last one is by the people's will, the forest is singing, wood sprites, we cry out calling, oh, you are. I am forever fascinated by people who write languages for these like shows. Like and uh, <laughs> that kind of thing? The, the one, I, I listened to a podcast about a half-hour interview with the guy who invented Dothraki for, oh. uh, <laughs> for Game <laughs> of okay. Thrones. And it's just amazing the process that they go through. I mean, yeah, the, the amount of um, stability you need to put into this, you know, so it can be learned, you know, is, is incredible. You know, somebody had to sing all that, and it's, it's very, very difficult to sing all that without knowing really what it means because you can't as a as a vocalist you can't put in the proper emotion into the phrase you could be you could end up you know sounding very forlorn forlorn about you know the word uh, turtle or something you know rather you know what i mean about something that doesn't make any sense um and so you need to put it in the right spot and it's amazing it's, it's fascinating how they do that it really is fascinating let me say, let me ask you, Dave. Would yeah. you have? Would you like this ride better if it was a river north of the wall and you saw White Walkers and dire wolves and dragons? Um, yes, I would personally like it better because I know what it is. Um, if it if we were doing that, okay, in relationship with, um, we. Uh, how, what, how do we put it? Uh, like if you were, let's not use those words, White Walker and the things north of the wall. Let's not. Let's take Game of Thrones out of it. If I okay. were, if I were in Beastly Kingdom and going through a river journey with unicorns and Pegasus and things like that, that, yeah, great. I love that because we've stated many times why that works. Um, but I don't think I would be thrilled with even though i like game of thrones and i would be thrilled with game of thrones coming into uh a a park somewhere i would really honestly mike tell you it does not belong here just like i've said to you many times star wars doesn't belong here you know um wakanda doesn't belong here (laughs) but what's the difference between game of thrones and beastly kingdom really Beastly I mean, Kingdom is based on actual creature. right, but Beastly Kingdom is is uh, you know again we've said this before, um, and and I don't want to repeat myself too much because I don't want to get down this rabbit hole, but we will if this this is where you want to go. Um, yeah. Mythological animals are a reflection of man's relationship to the natural world, right? Fiction. Fictional characters written in the 1990s are not a reflection of man's. <laughs> uh, no, but he's using those. You know what I mean? Like dragons are mythical creatures. Dire wolves are mythical creatures. Maybe I understand. Now, Game of Thrones is a good is a good example of a way to bridge the gap. Right, Lord of the Rings, another one. These are good examples of ways where we've sort of modernized those ancient ideas. Right, but. If you were to use White Walkers or, uh, you know, which is one of the things you mentioned, um, or, you know, ice polar bears like they had in that one episode or something like that, 
um, then you're removing it. And you're, if you're telling the story about Game of Thrones, then you're not doing what Beastly Kingdom was there to do, which okay. was to represent um, sort of the mythological aspect of man's relationship to the natural world and to the animal world, specifically to the animal world. Right. You know, um, man's relationship to the natural world is incredibly well um, spoken in the legend of the Kraken, where we discuss this, you know, this fear that man had and were willing to conquer of crossing great oceans, you know, right. going on a boat. The Kraken was a representation of how difficult that was and how hard and, and how uh, intimidated they were by the oceans and by the natural world. And we could say the same thing about dragons, about going into the mountains and things like that. There Werewolf. are werewolves is a great example forest. of man's fear of the forest and things like that. Absolutely right. These films, these intellectual properties don't do that. They don't represent that. They're just, mm -hmm. we're just, we're just trying to market something that we feel is more clever for marketing. We both, for whatever reason, that if Imagineers came to uh, a table one day and said, let's do a ride with dragons and goblins and, you know, werewolves or whatever. Yeah. The first thing that I would say is, all right, well, what IP were you basing this on? Well, that's true. That's why we need to get. <laughs> that's why we need to get rid of Bob Iger because he's slowly but surely ruining everything that Walt wanted to design here, and even ruining to some degree everything that Eisner wanted to do and built this all on um, by turning everything into an intellectual property that doesn't fit into the design of this of the of the park. Avatar is a great example of that, um, and because there was a genius in Joe Rody who made it work as best he could if anybody else were in charge of it Mike it would stand out like a sore thumb like um, Tom Fitzgerald really I mean there's so many examples of this you know I mean wait till you see what's going to happen in, in future world you know th these things Fitzgerald. are these things are going to stand out like a sore thumb you know they're going to they're going to be weird it's going to be weird <laughs> just like it's weird that you're walking into Norway and you're going on a frozen ride it makes no sense it's yeah. no reason to be there. You know, you can put the frozen ride anywhere else. It doesn't have to go there. You know, like there's other places. It ruins the story. It pulls you out. And then what happens is down the road when the when the when that intellectual property is no longer a big deal, then we're stuck with this thing that nobody's on and we don't know why it's there. <laughs> and, you know, it, these backstories of these parks are what hold the park together. It's what we call why we call it a theme park. Right. You know, it's a theme. Right, because there's a theme. If we're not going to adhere to the theme, then it's just Six Flags, you know. And Joe Rody did a great well, job of I mean, Joe Rody did a great job of pulling the theme in, and 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 doing his best to bridge those gaps. But that's not always going to be the case. And I think that your question, your original question, was, you know, would you know would it work if we did that? You know, if we did these kind of things. Um, it, it, it all depends on how on how it fits into the story of the surrounding park. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what's supposed to matter. That's what mattered to Walt and the original uh, <laughs> Imagineers. That's what's supposed to matter. And when that stops mattering, that's when you end up with, I mean, example number one, Disney's Hollywood Studios up till now. I mean, that place is a shell of what it once was because they threw away the theme. Yeah, it's, it's basically you know? a, uh, I don't want to, S show. <laughs> yeah, it's a disaster because they threw away the theme. And I'm afraid that's where Future World is going to end up. Disaster is a bit of an extreme. 
Yeah, I, I mean, in in Disney adjusted terms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Disney adjusted terms, because obviously there are theme parks around the world or amusement parks around the world that are a lot worse. And it's still far better than almost every other place of that ilk that you'll go to. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, it's not what it well, once it's was. Cohesive. It's not cohesive and it's kind of a mess. And then you look at it and you're like, well, this doesn't really work. And why is this here? And, you know. California Adventure is kind of the same thing. They've done a great job at sort of rescuing California Adventure by using the intellectual properties as best they could, but it has no cohesive story. You're just walking through an over-themed theme park. I have to tell you, California Adventure might be my, well, Disneyland's my second favorite. I mean, they're doing a great job. And and the IP of of, uh, putting cars in there was perfect because Cars has that sort of Western... America look to it, yeah. you know, and so that works. So you could say that's on Route 66 in 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 Eastern California, you know, that works. That's fine. That that does the job, and that's what they could have done with Avatar. So instead of just throwing Avatar in, we could have done a Lion King land, a Jungle Book land. We could have done something that fits with it if you really wanted to work with an appropriate IP. Here they didn't. <laughs> And is your question, is Game of Thrones a more appropriate IP? Probably in some degree, yes, it is. Because it does sort of play on those themes of man's relationship to the natural world and the mythological nature of it. Um, You know, and it uses those same mythological creatures and where they came from is important. You know, yeah, that probably works to some degree, but not as well as if you just made Australia. (laughs) Is that enough? (laughs) That's enough. I'm more into South America than Australia, but that's okay. <laughs> Anything else before we go? No, Dave, that's it. Another one of Mike's lists. I hope you enjoyed that. Mike, you can find him on um, Twitter, at Jombo Everyone. If you have any specific complaints about me, you can tweet Mike at Jombo Everyone. He does enjoy that. Um, uh, I'll make sure Dave gets it. Yeah, well, I don't know how he'll do that, but I guess he'll try. Uh, you could Vote cer- it right to him. So you can certainly email us at jomboeveryone at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Instagram uh, at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Our website is jomboeveryone.com. You can find all the information for everything we do right there. Uh, for Safari Mike, I'm Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. <laughs> Now to kuku ata melele amira kuku walufa melako nakungu Now, who, 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 now, who, who, who.